Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 39 of the J Situation podcast. I'm recording this on November 10th, 2020. On the previous podcast, I mentioned it was election day. I'm not sure what day it is today, but I feel like I'm getting tired of keeping track of what's going on. Um, it It's so tiring, honestly. I mean, really, like a media blackout by default, I guess, is I think what I'm going to pursue. Just being jaded. I think right now I'm just like super jaded about everything. I don't know. I don't know if I can consume any more political data, like mentally. I I, I think I'm pretty, I'm just burned out on it. I, it's just been echoed on like every platform I could possibly see digitally. So I, I can't, like I, I just can't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, I don't have the energy. Um, I, I am back in town from field assignment, um, which is good and bad, I guess. I uh, spent the past few days going super hard in the paint with regard to data analysis. Um, had two major products, projects to complete for some private testing clients. Uh, testing, you may ask. Well, yes, if this is your first time listening, I am speaking about Pew Science testing. And as always, the J Situation podcast is brought to you by that very organization. Pew Science, <laughs> pushing the silencer industry forward one test at a time. Pew Science is the largest ever public small arms research cooperative. Not only the largest, I think, it might be the only one of its kind, uh, which is pretty neat. Uh, most testing and research and development is funded by contributions from the membership. Some testing is funded privately by manufacturers, and actually some of that test data will be coming soon. Some is coming next week, I promise. Uh, that was actually decided today, so, um, like within the past couple of hours, so um, that will be coming this week. I can tell you that now. So that it's kind of set in stone. So buckle up for that. Big step for Pew Science, and I also think a big step for the industry in general. Visit PewScience.com for the suppression rating, the simplest and most accurate hearing safe ratings for your suppressed small arms. Remember, the suppression rating is in Section 5 of the Silencer Sound Standard, and the standard walks you through gunshot noise, sort of like a Wikipedia article, but cooler because it's about silencer sound. There are six parts, and they're all on PewScience.com for you to read. If you haven't dug into the silencer sound standard, as always, that is totally fine. You can skip directly to the suppression rating in section 5, and it lets you know how silencers stack up in comparison to one another with regard to sound at the muzzle and at the shooter's ear, and it gives you a hearing-safe dose limit for the particular platforms on which they are tested you're not going to find this information anywhere else in the world. The sixth and currently final section of the standard contains all the reviews. Go check them out at PewScience.com. I say currently because I'm thinking about adding another section to the Silencer Sound Standard. I'll talk about that a little later today uh, in this episode. By the way, if you are a manufacturer and you would like to use PewScience for private testing and consulting services, there is a form on the website with which you can submit that inquiry. 
your contact information and all the test data that we generate will be held in strict confidence, unless of course you want to release it to the public, in which case PewScience can help you do that. If you're curious about how that would work, stick around next week and, and you're gonna find out. We'll do it live, <laughs> as Bill, Bill O'Reilly would say. Um, you can support this podcast, PewScience, and our testing by joining at PewScience.com and also rating it, you know, on iTunes, for example, if that's where you listen to the dang thing. You know, it, when, you, when you rate the podcast with a good rating and, you know, you, you, you say nice things about it, what that does is it lets other folks know that silencers and guns are awesome. Okay, that's the way algorithms work. So, you know, you do us a solid, you're doing yourself a solid. I think everything um, will essentially be symbiotic in that way and benefit everyone. I have four topics um, prepared for you today. Um, Let's see here. I think what we're going to start with, I want to talk about rankings and data processing from the latest test series, Um, supersonic and subsonic observations. Um, That's kind of a topic I want to hit. Second topic, new sound signature review this week, I think. As always, I'm late in doing it um, just because of the way things have been going, but I, 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 I I do have a goal to, to push one to you this week. And also, I believe you're going to see a couple next week. <laughs> so you're going to get a lot of data in a short amount of time. So for you, that's good. For me, it's um, stressful, but that's okay. Topic three, uh, how important is your rifle silencer mount? J- just how important is it? Have you, have you thought about that? Or, or are you team direct thread forever? I don't know. I mean, I, I I might be Team Direct Thread forever. I don't know. Let's talk about it. Um, let's go ahead and look at the fourth topic. Welcome to new Pew Science members. Thank you for your support as always. Okay, let's get into this. I'm going to go ahead and I think some folks have been really... Um, really liking the timestamps. So I think we're we're approximately we're approximately 6 minutes and 55 seconds in this first topic. So we're going to note that down for you folks. Um I I, I think I think that's useful. Folks seem to seem to be enjoying that. So the first topic, rankings and data processing from the latest test series, supersonic subsonic observations. Hmm. Yeah, so what I wanted to say today about this I have fully processed about 30 tests since the last time I spoke with you. I'm still going. It's a lot of data. It's ridiculous, actually. Even with automating some of the tasks, there there are certain things that a human has to do. Uh, even even before even writing the reviews and just in the data processing, I, I, I haven't figured out an exact way to have a, a computer do everything. I wish... I don't know. What I need to do is I need to hire some machine learning people and figure out 
how to do some things that are a little crazy, but I just haven't got around to hiring some like outsourced insane artificial intelligence people. And maybe if I do that, that would be great. But maybe when Pew Science gets bigger, I can hire someone from Google or some other hive mind, then then it'll make PewSoft self-aware, and then we'll have to fight PewSoft, which is probably probably not not the best idea. But right now, right now there are there are things that a human has to do, and that human is is exhausted. But hey, nothing worth doing in life is is easy typically that's it's typically what uh what my dad always taught me so okay it it is becoming abundantly clear that the amount of data i'm dealing with is, is excessive excessive to the point that i i am getting a little bit lost in it sometimes just from day to day and i will say it that is just due to the sheer amount of it and the amount i've had to go through recently i think i might need to add another section to the silencer sound standard like i alluded to in the introduction to this episode i'm thinking of adding a uh, rankings section okay it's something i envisioned doing from the start but i wasn't sure at which point i would add it However, as Pew Science gets more popular and we add more silencers, there, there's going to be a point at which a lot of people are only going to care about the suppression rating, I think. Uh, the, I mean, I can't wait for that day. It's going to be cool. Um, and we're not there yet, but I think that's going to happen now. But, but not only that, they're going to care about how things stack up in, in relation to one another, and that's something the suppression rating can give you. And so, you know, a lot of you gearheads, and the silencer enthusiasts love to check out the super detailed information in the reviews. And believe me, that stuff is not going away, okay? Don't you worry. We still have to offer that stuff because it gives the data a pedigree. And the analysis is important to completely understand and characterize suppressed small arms. So don't worry. We're, we're never going to get rid of that in-depth data. But I think constant detailed information without without overall summary context, it's not useful for the public at large. And I do realize that. I really do. And I think after some things slow down, especially after the next, after the next couple of weeks, I'm going to look at adding section... Section 7 to the Silencer Sound Standard. I, I think I'm going to do that. I envision I envision this section to give rankings based on pure sound suppression. You know, and I, I debated even bringing this up publicly before I did it because I might not do it, but I think it's a good idea. I do think it's a good idea, and I think that voicing it publicly to you folks listening is cool because you might have cool suggestions for me that I might not be thinking about because I'm so busy with other stuff. Uh, I really do like the grassroots nature of this, and I like the cooperative environment that we foster in in our discussions. So that is why I'm mentioning it, just to let you know. Your feedback is appreciated. I don't, although I am the supreme dictator of this, like I don't, I'm not operating in a vacuum, like 100% in a vacuum at least. Um, there, there. So, so anyway, so yeah, I'm talking about pure sound suppression in the rankings right now. There might eventually be rankings for back pressure and rankings for weight 
and length and like parametric relationships, possibly like accuracy, things like that, and maybe mixing some parameters. But remember, this is the silencer sound standard. I have chosen to specialize in sound signature. You, you know what they say about being like a jack of all trades and master of none? Like, I, I'm not here to give you every single bit of information about silencers. Pew Science is here to give you the best and most comprehensive data on the sound signature from the silencers, you know, and, and then extract every bit of useful information from that sound signature. Okay? Only then can we truly be confident we understand sound. And without sound suppression, what good are silencers anyway? Am I right? Like, well, like what, are, what good are they in the first place without, without sound suppression? So d don't look. Don't let people convince you that sound doesn't matter. It most certainly matters. So about the recent test series, um, there's a lot of data. I mentioned 30, 30 recent tests I've gone through. That's not even all of them. That's not even all of it from the recent test series. And uh, there, there's actually more before that I still haven't gone through. And so the 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 if you looked at the total Pew Science Review backlog, like how many how many data sets I have and how many how many reviews I can have in the pipeline, it's actually much bigger than it's much bigger than thirty. And so if like look if there's any doubt about the content in the database, please know that I wish I wish it was like that. I wish that we had a need for content. Instead, we have the opposite issue, and there's too much. And it, it's largely because I just completed two private test programs and the public tests in tandem that I mentioned, excuse me, that I mentioned last time. And so, you know, some of the tests... Um, they evaluated single silencers on multiple platforms with multiple types of ammo. And so remember how everyone was asking for 300 blackout and then they were like, oh, what about 300 blackout subsonic? And then what about 300 supersonic? And then what about 556? And what about 308? And what about 762 by 39? And what about nine millimeter? And what about 6.5 Creedmoor? What about 6.5 Grendel? What about 375 Raptor? What about 8.6? What about... Uh, five seven. What about the uh, twenty two nozzler? What about you know? You, name a caliber, name a cartridge, and someone has asked Pew Science to generate uh, comprehensive data for a silencer and host weapon on that with that caliber and cartridge. Remember all that? Uh, Pepperidge Farm remembers, and so that keeps happening. And so because of that, I mean, we we keep testing, um, and it's like it's becoming. Uh, interesting but i will say if you just look at the data sets we have right now i have noted i want to i wanted to speak about a couple of generalities before i start to release some more data just to give you a flavor and i think i mentioned this when i the last podcast i did from a hotel i, I might have mentioned some of this um but now that i've done even more analysis like it's it's a little fresh in my mind there are some there's some things that are showing up in the data. For example, one thing is that volume, silencer volume, seems to be important for subsonic performance. And that is, I I know that seems especially to you form one guys that might seem like super intuitive and super easy to understand, 
Um, and a lot of people are quoted as saying often, oh, well, larger volume is quieter. Well, that's that's gross oversimplification of the way silencers work. Um, now, I haven't done any quantitative correlations as far as like volumetric comparisons and then done a volumetric correlation to suppression rating based on cartridge. Like, don't get it twisted. Like, I haven't, I haven't done that. So, like, I'm not speaking from some kind of place in which I'm about to drop a correlation on you and you're going to be like, oh my God, there's an equation. And because there's not yet, <laughs> yet. But it, I will say it is a, it seems to be a general trend I'm noticing. Volume as well as baffle geometry seem to be important. I think simple cones are pretty good for subsonic stuff. I think. It seems like that's making sense. It seems to be a trend. I think folks agree. I don't know 100% on that, but it's interesting. And it, it seems to be pretty reliable, a pretty reliable indicator in general. But another thing I've noticed is that subsonic performance can be kind of similar for silencers that are around the same size. Okay, like if you have a silencer that's like the same length and the same diameter, and it like and then a silencer that's like made by has a completely different interior space, interior geometry, but like just the only thing that's similar between the silencers is that they're like their exterior dimensions are, are the same. Um the subsonic performance can be relatively similar relatively which i think is leading some folks to think that that like that matters and volume matters which it does matter it's just a lot of silencers are getting good because a lot of people copy other stuff and a lot of like designs or evolutions of other designs and so silencers that are actually different inside aren't actually that different in some ways despite like everyone talking about baffles that are different shapes and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, I get it. There are differences, but in subsonic performance, I think those differences are sometimes, are sometimes less important. Okay. And that might be one of the reasons why people don't care as much lately. I don't know. Um, what, what, what that points to is when you when you start varying the interior and you and with a constant exterior and you dimensionally and you, then you start to get similar answers for subsonic that means that volume is 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 the constant that would indicate that volume the the percentage influence if there was such a thing on suppression rating uh, by volume it, it well okay rather it would indicate that volume is weighted higher in, in the influence in performance, I guess I is, is one way to say that, that I'm totally butchering right now, but you, you get my point. And so with, uh, and, and look, that's not hundred percent true all the time. That's just something I'm sort of noticing with some designs. And frankly, it could be completely wrong, but with supersonic flow, so I was just talking about subsonic with supersonic flow. When your Mach number gets high, um, the, the game completely changes and even, even simple changes, I think 
in the silencer design seem to really influence a supersonic signature, a sound signature rather, and it can result in larger rating swings, I think. So that's pretty interesting. That's something I've noticed. I, I've definitely noticed some really interesting stuff with regard to that. Now, another thing that is cool is seeing the silencers that can handle the subsonic to supersonic transition and vice versa. I think that if you're really, really good at supersonic suppression, you might be decent with subsonic suppression. I think that if you're really, really good at subsonic suppression, you could possibly be okay with supersonic, but there are some things that could handicap a design. It's really interesting stuff. I haven't had time to do an in-depth analysis of these phenomena and, and really do it justice. I, I would need to look at, at a baffle stack diagram pretty much of like every silencer as I eventually sit down and write the in-depth reviews, you know? But, and, and maybe I'll do that. Like, we'll see. I, I, I'm going to have to do that eventually for the book I plan to write. But, so hey, I might as well start that now or, or, or not. Or maybe I won't. I don't know. Look, everything takes time. I would rather get you data sooner than later. And also, to be clear, there are there are designers in this industry that are probably listening to this and are like, oh, well, duh. And that's probably true. Like, I'm not a silencer designer. I'm not a, a silencer manufacturer. So, like, there's a lot I don't know about, like, rules of thumb and stuff. But what I do know is what I measure and test. And I do know what I observe. And as I continue to do that and I catalog this stuff, I'm flushing out trends and because of the fidelity that PewSoft provides and the, because of the fidelity that the analysis I'm performing is is providing to the community, I think we're, we're going to be able to quantify things in a way that I don't think were quantified at all before um, other than like so-called tribal knowledge and like a anecdotal observation. And so I think, I think this is important. I just, I wanted to mention this stuff because it's just some things I'm noticing. If you are a designer or a manufacturer and you want to talk about this with me, and or maybe if you want to schedule some tests with Pew Science to investigate some of this stuff, you, you, you know, tech at pewscience.com, email, or, um, you know, submit, use the form on the website, totally cool. If not, hey, that's cool too. I'm just giving you the option. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go into topic two. We're we're uh, 22 minutes and 43 seconds. Let's write that down here. Okay, topic two. New sound signature review this week. This week. So let's go to the question mark. <laughs> and next week too, possibly. No, definitely next week. This week. I mean, I didn't give you one last week. I, I physically couldn't. This week, I think I'm going to. I, I hate I hate to go more than a week without giving you a review. I just don't think it's right. I got to give you something. So I'm going to try to give you something this week. Um, and then historical books. I'm going to talk to you about that. Oh, my gosh. Reviews, books. What is this? Some kind of research organization or something? Okay. Look, speaking of data. <laughs> Speaking of books, um, I don't, I was going to say I owe you a review. I don't owe you one, 
but I am going to try to do one. I just actually today, I just typed my fingers in and I typed until my fingers cramped up. Um, well, that's not true. They didn't cramp. I was drinking water. I was hydrated. No, I, I don't know. Um, I had to finish the, some two, two test reports that were really in depth and, um, there's just, uh, it's like not even, it's crazy. I'm just so proud of the dang publications and, and the reports and the data. It's just, there's so much, but I think this week I want to hit something. I want to hit something I've wanted to hit for a while for you. Uh, it's a brand I haven't shown you yet. Um, I, it's late in the game. Like it's Tuesday night right now. And I need to, if I'm going to publish this Thursday, I need to contact the company tomorrow, Wednesday, and without even having written the review yet, that's going to be really tough. So I'm going to like basically shoot the guy a text and be like, Hey bro. Well, he's not really my bro. Cause I don't know him that well, but Hey sir, uh, I'm going to release this. And by the way, I'm going to show this and this, is that cool? I'm like, Oh my God, I hate to do that. I hate to like surprise someone. Like I used, I usually try to give like a, almost like a week's notice to manufacturers that don't know this stuff is coming just so like for these public reviews. Cause like, you know, for those of you just tuning into this, like for public reviews that I do for Pew science with member funding, like I don't ask the manufacturer per, for permission. You feel me? Like I just do it. And then I, at, and when I publish it, or I'm sorry, when I write it and then I'm, I'm planning on publishing it, I like reach out to a manufacturer. I'm like, hi, Mr. Manufacturer or Mrs. Manufacturer. It's 2020. You know, I'm not assuming their status or gender. Uh, I'm going to say, hey, m- uh, manufacturing person, do you identify as manufacturer? Uh, I have data for your silencer system and I would like to show people did you know that it does xyz also uh it does this and that do you want to talk about it and sometimes they're like dude that's cool let's talk about it sometimes they're like screw you dude but i'll talk to you i'm like all right and other times like they just kind of completely ignore me that's fine um and then later they pretend like they didn't ignore me which is also fine it's whatever i don't care i'm just trying to be nice and so i don't know what i'm going to do but i do know Whatever I, the one I'm planning on for you is definitely popular, definitely desired. And I had to test it multiple times because of issues. And I think that is going to give you even better data than you would have gotten before. And I haven't even processed it all, but when I do, it might be awesome. So buckle up. Okay. So that's that. That's for this week. We're in in like a less than a day from now. I have to finish that, and then um, but next week, next week there's gonna be a review or two. There only two. Uh, there's actually a possibility I could release even more than two next week. I just don't have time. What well, look? You're gonna get at least two next week. You're gonna probably get one this week. You're definitely gonna get at least two next week, and so. It's somewhat out of my control. And the reason why is because I'm going to be publishing some paid work and you're going to like that. You're going to like it a lot. Um, I, I think, I think you know, some people don't understand that in, this, in the firearm industry, some people say, oh, someone's getting paid to do a review. So it's going to be, it's like, 
I can't wait for you to see this. So like, you'll realize that that is not like, we're a test lab. Like I'm not a YouTuber. Okay. Like I don't like, there's not, there's actually not enough money you could pay me to, to do a review that wasn't real. Like I don't, I, the, the, the amount of headache it would cause me and the amount of time it would waste and the consequences of me doing something unscrupulous, um, are so it's just so crazy like i would never i don't have the time to deal with um tomfoolery like it's just not conducive to like i i just don't i don't need the money that much like i i like my life is comfortable like why would i you know what i mean like i don't have that like that would be literally retarded and so it's going to be cool that you're going to get to see paid work, which is actually so transparent that you're literally going to see a contract number. And you're going to see not only who funded it, but that person actually owns the data. And so like to the point where like, I don't know, like I know you've seen reviews like on YouTube or something where people are like, we're brought to you by, and you know, like this podcast is brought to you by Pew Science. It's like me undies or, you know, whatever podcast sponsors you see on, on various shows and you know, whatever, or like, you know, like Grantham, that dude, like that dude who shoots really well, like he walks and shoots like really fast when he shoots. Like that's all I know about Grantham. Like he's really popular. And then I watched his honey badger review. And then I watched the video where like this, uh, dude that he shot with like used a mag from a different gun in the pistol and it was cool. Like those are, I've watched like two Grantham videos, but I know that that dude has sponsors and he talks about that and he he's honest. Like people have told me that that's cool. Right. But this is something completely different. Like never, like, do they ever say like, Oh, hi, I'm a YouTube man. And, um, this particular review is sponsored by this company. Here is the contractual agreement that we have together. And but like, they never, go into that. And the reason they don't is because they're marketing. Like that's why they're giving you the reviews because they're marketing something. But what I'm I'm trying what I'm trying to get across right now is that when you see a paid Pew Science review, it's you you know that that company is seeing it as marketing. For sure. Like they're going to be happy that they can publish they can have information published on my website on pewscience.com like for sure like that's one benefit they can receive from that right because the more exposure that your product has the better it is for your customers like that, that that's that goes without saying but but the data is data it's it's objective it's not like hey what do you want your review to say like it they're they don't get to they don't get to pick that you know what i'm saying like now the the when a company approaches us for testing and they get a test report um first we send them a draft report and we say hey um here's the draft report if you have any comments or desire changes or additions before we finalize this report please let me know and by that time the project is almost is pretty much complete and you know we've sent our final invoice and and that's the 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 work is done it's just that they're going to take that test report and they'll be able to send that to, you know, their military customers, their other customers and say, Hey, we got this independent 
testing done at this laboratory called Pew Science. This, these are the results. And what we want to do as, you know, the service provider is Pew Science. We want to make sure that client gets what they want, meaning that they get the information explained in a way that is understandable to them so that they can under, they can explain it to their customers. Like that's the type of edits I'm talking about. Or, or maybe we forgot to include something or maybe I made a typo or say, oh, okay, can you talk about this part of the silencer? And I might say yes. Or I might say, no, that's not in the scope. And they say, okay. Or yes, that could be for a follow-on effort because that's going to take effort X, Y, Z. Like that's how consulting works, right? That's how testing works. Like that's that's like just a normal professional service offering. That's like for services rendered, you pay a fee. Like that's what that is. Um, so you're going to see that on the public reviews, those aren't something that really, like the 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 folks that have paid for private testing and then have decided to say, you know what, we like these results that you've given us so much that we would like you to take this data that we own and we would like you to publish it on PewScience.com. That data that's going to be published, that's going to be the same type of thing that you guys have seen in the public reviews. It's just the testing that generated the data is funded by someone because they made the concerted and forward-thinking effort to contract PewScience for it. Um, so, you know, a lot of silencer companies, they might be thinking, oh, well, Jay's just going to get around to testing our stuff eventually, so we, we're never going to ask for it. We're never going to contract. And that's fine. Like, they, they're probably right. Like, we're going to test every single silencer eventually. That's 100% true. But there's so many that, like, you know, I guess some folks want it faster, and some folks are small companies and they might not even be on Pew Science's radar until uh, they approach us, which is also a case of like a desirability, right? That's where that marketing comes in, where the folks may say, hey, you know, I, I'm a smaller company and I am trying to get into this game. I think I have a really good product um, and I would like the chance to test with Pew Science, and then if the results are good, well, man, would you pu publish it on PewScience.com? And I'd be like, yeah, I'll publish anything you want me to publish. Like, as long as it's testing we performed or the data is correct, yeah. Or, you know, it might be that, uh, you know, some folks that come to us for testing, they're, they're, um, they have no interest in, in publishing it publicly at all. To the point where like they're they're literally this isn't marketing for them at all. It like in the least. They are strictly R and D where they're like, hey, we're developing this stuff. We don't have the capability to do the testing and analysis that Pew Science does. We would like your help to provide us with information so that we can go in the proper direction for our designs. And to me, that that's something I'm super familiar with dealing with. Like like for 15 years in all in, in, in a few industries. So I'm like, yes, that's exactly what I can help you do. Let's talk about it. And then you guys are never going to see that until maybe, maybe you will like later, like when those companies, if those companies decide to go commercial or if those companies want to eventually show you that data, I mean, you might never see it, but you know, Hey, when I talk on this podcast, I talk, I talk to a lot of different audiences and so I know there's folks listening out there that might have the need for like R&D. 
And so this is to them. Or and maybe it's just to you guys too, just so you know that that's possible. But anyway, I think this is a big thing because you're basically going to see at least three reviews between now and a week from now, which is a lot. But hey, nothing in life uh, worth doing is easy. Look, I think I think I'm going to see if I can survive the data push. Between the reports I just did and what's coming, like, look, if I see another freaking. Pascal pressure trace. I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna throw up. Hey, but hey, Pew Science is getting really good at it. Like really good. So like I'm like I t- it's hard and I'm tired, but at the same time I'm like yeah. But I'm gonna have to put it all in a book. Eventually I'm gonna put. I keep talking about that. I really want to, and I'm super motivated because guess what? Speaking of books, my girlfriend. Well, actually, she's now my fiance. I just proposed to her. Uh, shout out to the love of my life. She's probably not listening to this because she uh, she just I talk about silencers too much. Um, but she is the best woman in the world, uh, confirmed. In case you were wondering, she got me an original copy of Al Paulson's first silencer book for my birthday. Like I had my birthday, and then I proposed. It was a whole thing. So like in the mid '90s, Al Paulson published uh, Silencer History and Performance Volume One. Uh, I think if I, I believe if I if I recall it was published in 1996 or so I don't have it in front of me it's in my bookshelf but a lot of history in in the book and the and the and the subsequent volume afterward the volume two and I- interestingly enough if you dig into the book you'll see that he sort of wrote a treatise on silencer sound in the intro similar to the introduction to the silencer sound standard I just realized that when I looked at it now it, in a way it's it's not really similar in the it's not similar but it's it's there are some parallels um it's not as technologically advanced as what pew science is doing um al he he he's a good guy and he was really the first truly independent tester of suppressed small arms in my opinion the one that was really doing it seriously but he didn't really have the technical background to be able to properly characterize the systems like nonetheless, I think his contributions were monumental, and I think that they laid the groundwork and inspiration for many people, including myself. In some ways, he wasn't like my sole inspiration, but he definitely he def- definitely played a role in it in, in part of it, um, it, by demonstrating that there is the passion, and I think I had that passion separately and seeing his did was always cool to me. So, I mean, hats off to, to Al. I hope to meet him one day. I never, I've never met him. I, I, I'm pretty sure he's still around. You know, what's really crazy. Uh, Al Paulson did a really beautiful sailboat painting for Kevin Birdingham, uh at Q and Kevin showed me the painting once and it's very nice. And I think that's really interesting, and I think it's cool. I think it's cool when like that that people that people you know for one thing do like another thing. You you know what I mean? Like I think I don't know. I don't know what what I'm trying to say about that. Uh, maybe that his he's he he's um diverse in his skill set and a Renaissance man. I guess as a as a silencer testing dude, Mr. Paulson. <laughs> Yeah, you know what I think about when I think of his last name? I think of Fight Club. 
Like his name was Robert Paulson. <laughs> it was Robert Paulson, right? Anyway, anyway, so my my girlfriend or my fiance, I'm gonna get that right. Uh, she got me volume one, and I went ahead and I got volume two. She got me the one like the the old like yeah the old one that was like out of print. Like I know both of them out of print, but she got me an original of the volume one. I was like, holy crap! Um, so I got volume two. I had seen these books and I thumbed through them, but I never did buy them for some reason. I like I just been meaning to do it and I never got around to it, which is really weird and definitely something that I should have done a long time ago. So now I have them. I think contacting Al and speaking with him about what I'm doing could be cool. And then when I do my book, perhaps he would be he would do me the honor of like looking at it or something, or like he'd be like, hey, um, maybe maybe he'd like contribute a forward to it or something. I don't know. If you're listening now, uh, hit me up techcomputerscience.com. <laughs> yeah, right. He's definitely not listening to this. Um, you know, or, or he he could probably he would probably completely ignore me. It's definitely possible. It's entirely possible. I guess you never know till you try. Okay, we're 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 forty one minutes and three seconds. We're gonna go to topic three. <laughs> Trucking along here. How important is your silencer mount? How important is it? Direct thread forever? Are you team direct thread forever? Um, step into my office and allow me to convince you to be. <laughs> so, so speaking of some things I, I wish I had written about, um, silencer mounts, you know, we're going to have to do a whole episode on this and you know, COVID's like, I feel like COVID's getting worse, but it's not, I want to have guests and then Skype and it's a whole you know what? It was really interesting about. I'm gonna real quick before we get into this this mount thing. The thing about podcast guests is you gotta have your schedule and their schedule, and those have to align. And and you may be thinking that's super easy, Jay. It's not. It's not easy when you have a lot of stuff to do and you do a podcast every week. And I know that I need to schedule it ahead of time, but like, it's not as easy as you would think because the People that I want to talk to are super busy too. Um, it was really easy when we would all just be going to stuff, like going to places, and then you could, you know, record them and then publish them later. And like everyone was just always getting together. I mean, Shot Show just got canceled too. Again, like it's like, man, I'm not making excuses, but I am. And <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I keep talking about it. I guess talking about something and not doing it's stupid. So I should probably just do it. I should probably, you know, get off the pot and just do it. So yeah, I, 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 I mean, a but a silencer mount episode with someone. I think doing it alone is fine. I think doing it with someone that is well versed in the mounts. Besides, like I, I mean, I've done episodes with Kevin from Q, and we talked about mounts. He's obviously going to be biased, but he's also very knowledgeable, right? And so it'd be cool to do with do it with someone that's more neutral just to give up another perspective or it'd be cool, cool to do another manufacturer. And if I didn't with another manufacturer, I'd want to do it with someone who has a very like long and very background in it. And I'm just, I might have to find... I almost want to do it with 
with some people that aren't even in the game right now, but I had to track them down and the COVID thing. And it's like, uh, that, and that's why I was talking about Skype. I was thinking about like guests because I, I, I want to give my opinions on this now. I wish, well, before I say that, I want to say silencer mounts in general are important. Like in general, they're important. And I wish someone would start to test them. I, I really do. I, I wish someone would start to test them in depth because there are dang, there are too many. There's too many of them. It's like, what's that? Like the, the cost of the, the number of silencer mounts are too damn high. Is that, is that like a, a meme of some kind? I feel like it could be. Look, I'm, I'm going, I'm going on record right now and I'll say that direct thread, direct thread is awesome. You've heard me say that before. You've heard a lot of people say that before. I think it's underappreciated. I think it's getting thrown by the wayside a lot. I think I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say that the 25-degree taper, the 25-degree tapered muzzle that uses SIG and Q and CGS and others, I think it's super awesome. I've seen some manufacturers like talk bad about the taper for some reason, which is which is ludicrous, actually, for them to say things like that. Like, if someone's telling you that a taper, like taper, like a, a, um, a tapered direct thread barrel is not good, like, that person's saying that because they don't like the, they don't like Q or something. Like, that, you know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, like, let me just not even tiptoe around that. Like, we're, you know me now, right? You, we're past this whole, like, political BS. Like, look. Like, if you don't like Q and you, and, and, and you don't want to give any credence to the fact that, like, Kevin and Ethan were at SIG after AAC and, like, they did the taper there. Like, if you don't want to think about that, th then fine. But don't go and say that the taper aren't taper isn't good just because you don't like Q. Like, relax with that. Like, miss me with that. Like, that's so stupid. So, like, you're that. That's so dumb. Um, I mean, it's such a good. It's so good. It, it's so good. And if you never used it, it and you don't understand why it's it's look. I'll, okay, let me real quick. Let me talk about it. Okay. You thread it on the norm the, the the normal force that you use with the threads. It it acts on the way with the in 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 the interface to prevent unthreading. I'm not gonna sit here and draw you a free body diagram right now, but I'm gonna tell you that not having to worry about something unscrewing when it's direct thread is just so cool and the more you use silencers you will just appreciate that so much that you 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 won't want it you you would want it you would want it on everything you have because it's just so dang simple and so dang good direct thread taper i'm not i'm not even talking about muzzle device at this point i'm talking about literally a a barrel a bare muzzle with the thread with the taper behind the thread so the threads could theoretically get gummed up but it, it it they would it would be backward compatible with like a regular 
um, silencer. But what I'm saying is like just having that taper on there and having a silencer that interfaces with it directly without having to use a muzzle device, muzzle device at all, it's it just, oh man, I can't say enough good things about it. I really can't. Um, I mean, it's all the it's all the benefits of direct thread without uh, without it unscrewing. Like that's the easiest way to talk about that. The, all the benefits of direct thread. When I say all the benefits of direct thread, I'm talking about the best for alignment. The less there's less items in the chain. There's no items in the chain. There's the barrel, and there's the silencer. I mean, yeah, you have to have, make sure that your threads are concentric to the bore. And then you have to make sure your your silencer threads are connected to the silencer bore, which all the good manufacturers can do. So it's like you don't have to worry about a mount. Oh my gosh, timing a break or some stupid like it's so great. You know the amount of pinned and weld breaks I've seen on Instagram lately from a particular manufacturer. Look, more power to that guy. He's an entrepreneur, but like really, like how many people are pinning and welding things like? Seriously? Just pay $200, dude. Like, I know, like, ATF sucks, like, for infringing on your rights, but just pay your $200 tax stamp and, like, make an SBR. Like, relax with that pinning and welding. Like, what are you doing? Like, is it because you can't have an SBR in your state or something? <sighs> okay, maybe that's a good reason. Um, or maybe you want to travel with it. Just, I don't know. It's relax. Pinning and welding. I feel like you're ruining the gun. Pinning and welding something? I, I know I'm, like, making a lot of people angry right now, but I'm not going to, like, hide my opinion to make you feel better. <laughs> so, okay, so. Um, I would say after installing and uninstalling a lot of silencers, like, honestly, I'm not going to say I've done it the most because I definitely haven't, and there's manufacturers listening to this that have so much more experience than me that it's it makes me look like, like, a, like an infant in this game. But I will say I probably have installed and uninstalled more silencers than probably most people I would say and I would say that direct thread mounts or direct thread or mounts that are like direct thread like let's say like the Q cherry bomb or like the griffin what uh, taper mount or whatever it's called and like anything like that like loosely like that like anything comparable, um, even with the differing taper locations, uh, thread versus taper, uh, forward and aft, like even with that, I like those things in general. And I've changed my opinion over the years. I have, even even over the past year, I have really shied away from this stuff because I really wanted a secondary retention in some cases. It just depends on the weapon systems I'm using, I think, though. I think I'm, like, in this hunting mode right now because I'm thinking about deer hunting. And, like, I'm really thinking about bolt actions. Like, but I'm also thinking about my M16. I don't, I don't know, man. Direct thread is best for alignment. I think, again, the less items in the chain, the better. The less tolerance stacking, the better. But when you want to talk about secondary retention, like, for those go-to-war scenarios where you absolutely cannot risk something coming off the end of your gun, like, even if it purposefully, like, let's say, like, you have to, you have this requirement that that states you need to be able to resist someone directly trying to take your silencer off. Or, like, your gun and system gets jumbled up with something or, like, caught in something and, like, 
you just cannot afford to have it risk unscrewing no matter it, with like mechanical interference like some kind of weird like oh my god someone just grabbed my silencer i cannot have this unscrew like in those weird cases or like something where you want a visual check to say you look at it, you're like oh i know that silencer's on there i because i've definitely had like i had a griffin i talked about this a long time ago where i had a griffin i was t- testing the griffin explorer explorer rur, rur. I, I was testing that and i look i say that because it has two r's it's like not spelled it's spelled wrong it's like when someone has a name and, and you're like, dude, you, you spelled your name wrong, but you can't say that because like it's their name. Look, I'm not saying that Griffin did their spelled their silencer wrong, but I'm saying it doesn't it's not a word. So I tested the Explorer a long time ago, Explorer a long time ago, and it uh, definitely came and screwed, like with heating and cooling cycle, and that was like wild, and that was like that like totally turned me off on taper mounts because I was like, or on on muzzle device taper mounts because I was like, dude what like i was at at that point in my like shooting personally i had like used rugged mounts like almost exclusively for my rifles and i was so not used to worrying about that i was like this is the worst thing i've ever seen like i could have destroyed the silencer what the heck um so that happened um so for a while i've like really shied away from this stuff but then like as i used more and like became more familiar with them and then i started to use the direct thread to barrel silencers i was like oh dude like i like that like my mini fix like any silencer i can put on the mini fix and not have to put a muzzle device on i'm like sign me up bro sign me up like i want like that mini fix is so cool like that's probably one of my favorite guns right now as like a silencer guy and like a gun guy in general, like the mini fix is, is like the bomb diggity. And so putting a silencer on there that has a taper that doesn't ha- that I don't need a muzzle device for, like, I don't even want to put a cherry bomb on that thing. Like, I just want to put like a direct thread silencer with a taper, whether that's from Q or someone else. Like, I just want to put that on there. I, I don't, I don't put anything on that barrel except for a silencer. I think that's super cool. Like to me, that's just super dope. And so, but if you need secondary retention for your going to war, I thought of three off the top of my head just now. I think I thought of Surefire and Rugged and Silencer Co. And the, like, for example, those, those, those are like three examples. And I would say they all offer a solution for that. They definitely all offer a solution. And out of those three, though, I think Rugged wins out of those three and i don't think even think it's debatable like mechanically i don't think it's debatable like i think the surefire caller has significant issues like i know this like firsthand the surefire caller has significant issues with regard to carbon buildup and alignment due to that buildup for sure 100 percent to the point where it will result in baffle strikes and and screw your silencer up like and and like not only that dude like some of their muzzle devices vent gas like that will blow out the back of the mount like when you're shooting like <laughs> like specifically like that the war comp mount the war comp i don't know if you know what know what the war comp is from surefire but it's like a combined compensator slash breaker flash hider but also you can mount a silencer to it dude Look, stay tuned to Pew Science to learn about that. I'm going to show you some stuff. You're going to be like, oh my God. I'm like, I know. 
I know. But I've measured it. I've measured why it sucks. I actually talked to Surefire about it. They know it sucks. It's fine. Word comp, they told me the word comp isn't meant for... Anyway, we'll talk about that later. You'll just see the data and I'll just write about it for you. Um, there, are all, there are alternatives if you have a, if you have a Surefire mount. Like you don't have to use a word comp. Okay? Don't use a word comp because you think it's cool. Please. Um, the Silencer Co. stuff has never... Look, look. Okay, let me go back to the Surefire really quick. Just really quick. I'm not saying the work comp is useless. I'm saying that you need to know why you you need to use it. And if you're only using a silencer and you're never shooting it unsuppre uh, unsuppressed, you need to relax with the work comp. You don't need a work comp. Um, and you'll see why later. Now, the silencer co stuff. Um, look, I don't know if they've ever really fixed some geometric issues on their mount. And... Uh, I think it's an inferior lockup mechanism. I think I could be wrong on some of that. I don't want to like totally, I don't want to totally um, dog it. I'm not trying to dog any of this stuff. Like, like even the war comp, I'm not dogging necessarily. I'm just telling you the truth about like when it's good, when it's not. And I'll give, I'll give you more information. But the Science Co stuff, eh, I feel like the rugged version of that, which just so. Like all you silencer historians are that are listening, like you know that Silencer Co. didn't have a rifle silencer at all until Silencer Co. bought SWR. Like you know that, right? You know, like they didn't have they didn't have silence they didn't have rifle technology. Like they had the Sparrow. Like they did, like or and whatever else they had, but they didn't have a rifle silencer center fire. And so they bought SWR. And then Henry went went there and like made stuff. And and then they used it. And then like they have the Omega and like, you know, I mean, so don't like think that like Henry's just gonna go and form rugged and like not improve what was there. Like, you know, like don't don't forget. Remember, like they you know, history class was super boring in school. For like a lot of people, like I thought history was super boring. I, I frankly, I find history boring a lot of times. I, I like the science and stuff. And so, but uh, the older I get, the more I realize history is like super important. As uh, you realize more things, most things are important to me as you get older. And you're like, oh man, like I should have learned, I should have paid attention. So in, in science or history, I wish there was a class on that. Tell you what, um, don't forget. And I, I could be like misreporting some of this. But I'm pretty sure there's a reason why Rugged's Mount is designed the way it is. And, um, yeah. I mean, I look, Sonstrico's cool. I know some folks that work there. Hey. Hey. Just because I know you and I'm cool with you doesn't mean that, like, I'm not going to tell people about a deficiency in your product. Like, what is this? Like, what is this? Let's lie. 2020 like <laughs> no if you make it better then it'll be better it's like whatever i mean i i've never had a silencer co mount blow off my gun and when i did the omega review i talked about how uh the asr worked fine but i also talked about how it doesn't work fine for a lot of other people and when you have like here's the thing one thing i have learned in engineering in general 
if you design something as an engineer or a des- or not even an engineer or like let's say you use, use that term loosely and you talk about the fact that you're a designer and you engineered something and you're using that verb in a general term that's fine whatever for the purposes of this conversation let's say you engineer a solution and you offer that solution and consumers or other users are using it and it doesn't work correctly it's not it, and you, you would be tempted as the designer to blame the user and you would say well the user's stupid i designed it like this why isn't the user using it like that but you would be wrong because you, you didn't design it for a designer. You designed it for a consumer. And if the consumer can't use it right and it fails, then you your design is poor. This is similar to when you are an engine you are a real engineer. I, I didn't mean that disparagingly. Like this is like if you're a practicing engineer and you design something to be manufactured, and the manufacturer screws it up like all the time. And it never gets made correctly. Like the first time it happens, it might be because they didn't follow your specs. The second time it happens, it might be because you're not inspecting it right. Like you should have done the first time. And the third time it happens, it's all your fault. You you understand what I'm saying? It's because like you're in charge. So like don't throw this like cop out to me about at company XYZ. I'm not talking about anyone specifically right now. So relax, just relax. Like I can already hear you picking up the phone and dialing people to get mad at me. Like just go have some tea. Okay. And like, just like chamomile tea, not black tea. You need, you don't need caffeine. You need to relax and you need to say, Hey, maybe Jay's right. Cause like, I don't think, I just, look, the silencer co-mounts can work. All mounts have problems. If I want secondary retention right now, I'm probably going with rugged. Okay? Okay. That's like just an opinion. I mean, and are there others I'm leaving out? Yeah, because like they're just not in my head right now. But if, if you have a super favorite secondary retention mount and you want me to talk about it on the podcast or you want my opinion on it, tech at PewScience.com or DM me or something on, on social media and we'll totally talk about it. Like I'm totally open to learning and I'm totally open to being wrong. But right now I'm just calling it like I see it. And I'll show you some stuff on the Surefire. You'll, I don't know exactly how I'm going to show it to you yet, but I'm going to show you. It's cool. Um, speaking of, mounts that I wish would be better or change. Um, I, I did ask Kevin at Q this week. I said, Hey, what about making a tapered mount for the new Erector nine? And then like for like on pistols and then like you could taper a pistol barrel. Like how cool would it be to take a nine millimeter factory threaded barrel and taper it and then have a tapered piston for a pistol silencer. For me, that would be the ultimate. That would be the ultimate. I would love it. I would love it. You couldn't you couldn't really do it with metric thread and still index on the muzzle, could you? Yeah, you know what? You probably could. Let me think about that. How would that work? Hmm. I don't know. 
maybe you'd have to do the half 28. And so you'd have to have one that would index on the shoulder. So would that like eliminate factory threaded barrels from Glock and HK and SIG? Oh God, did I just like, oh no, did I just answer my own question? Oh, poo. Wait, I'm not a machinist. Maybe I'm retarded. Maybe like you can look. Okay, let me think. Okay, let's think out. Let's think about this out loud. If you got a thirteen and a half millimeter by one millimeter left-handed thread pattern on on a pistol, um, that indexes on the muzzle. So you need a tapered surface, and I don't know. You know what you could. Ooh, you know what you could do. It has to index on the muzzle. Maybe it. Maybe you could still index on the muzzle, but no, I don't know if you can do that and still engage the taper correctly in the in the on the at, at the shoulder, because it's gonna bottom out. And then where do you bot? Where do you in really indexing? Could you could you build up a shoulder? I don't mean build up like alter the barrel. I mean like, well maybe you have to shoot. I don't know. Dang it. Maybe it would be only a half 28 thing. Would I be willing to sacrifice and go half 28 on an HK with an aftermarket barrel if I could use a taper? Would I be willing to do that instead of just using a big old O-ring in a, in, a, in a metric HK barrel or on a metric HK barrel inside a piston? Oh, man. What a... What a quandary. Hmm. I don't know. I talked to Kevin. He said it'd be cool. He wanted it. Um, I saw the Griffin cam lock. I don't want it. Uh, I want a direct thread mount to a pistol. Look, I think if you tapered a pistol barrel, look. Just someone do it. Look. Hey, ima imagine if, n if not worrying about a 9mm pistol silencer... Oh my God, could you imagine like not worrying if a nine millimeter pistol silencer would unscrew or not? Oh my God. Oh my God, dude. It's one of the reasons why nine millimeter pistol silencers suck. Oh, dude. Do it though. Hey, Kevin said he wanted to do it for 22. I said, yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know. I think nine is like, 22 to me isn't as, I mean, it'd be cool too. But like the recoil in the twenty two is so low that like you the chances of it um, unscrewing are definitely lower in my experience. So I feel like nine. I feel like semi automatic pistols in general. I think nine is like definitely a platform in which I think the the solution would be cool if it if it was implemented correctly. Now, what about like pistol caliber carbines or subguns though? Like, would direct thread still be the answer for those? I don't know. I, I say yes. I would say, I would say yes. And in that respect, a lot of those are going to be half 28 or similar. And I think that tapering the shoulder of that is possible. And I would start to do that. That's what I think. Now, is three lug, like what about three lug, which is definitely not intended for silencers uh, in the beginning. It was never intended. Now, is it cool? Uh, sometimes, and I've talked about this on a previous episode. I don't remember which episode I talked about it on, but I definitely have talked about it. I mean, we're on episode 39 right now. It could be like, over, it's got to be over 10 episodes ago at this point, but 
Um, I do like three lug when it works. It can wobble, which is really stupid and not cool. And I've seen huge accuracy shifts when it does that. Um, It's definitely irregular. There's a lot of different tolerances I've seen people use, whether it's the HK or others. Um, I've seen several three lug mounts fail. I've broken a three lug mount. I talked about that before. I think one solution is to, you know, Tim Bixler, the SCRC guy, he's dead. Um, hey, you know what's really crazy about Tim Bixler? Uh, when I was looking at the the book, my my fiance gave me. I uh, see, I remember fiance, my girlfriend. See, I'm getting better. When she gave me that book, I opened it up. I thought Tim Bixler's three lug. It was in there, and I think I wonder. I, I can't remember what silencer it was on. It was cool because Al was talking about. I think he was talking about comparing it with Greg's design. And Greg had um, had done it with the spring-loaded thing, and they were comparing the two. You know, it takes Tim's design is not quick; it's not as quick, but I think it's more secure, and it and I think it's stronger, and I think it's better. Um, anyway, I say direct thread when you can, man, for everything. I think I feel like folks forgot about direct thread. It's like what's that song for by Eminem? Not Eminem, Dre, Doctor Dre. Forgot about Dre? Yeah. I feel like people forgot about direct thread somewhere along the way. I want I want to put a CGS Helios on my M16, and then, I w- you know, it's like direct thread. Like, that's what I want. Like, I, I think, like, the CGS Helios has some particular performance parameters that are stellar, and I think that I don't want to add length to that thing, and I also think, and it has, it has the direct thread, and I think... Look, it'd be cool if it was tapered. Um, I, look, I could make that happen. Look, all I would need to do, I'd need to taper my half in, my half 28 barrel. That's step one. Taper that 11 and a half inch. Crazy. I could do it. And then I can get CGS to make me a tapered adapter for the Helios. You know what I'm saying? Then totally do it. Could be perfect. Look, or I could just use a wrench to tighten the existing 90 degree shoulder thing on there. You know, like that's fine. It's not going to come off. If I use a wrench, but if it had a taper, I wouldn't have to. I don't know. I'm just saying direct thread is cool. How often do you really need to attach your stuff super fast? Like I used to do that a lot. I used to have to do that super fast. Like I, so I look, I get that, but hey, I just don't like it as much anymore. Okay. Just saying. Okay. We're at hour 1030. Hour 1030. Topic four. Yeah. Topic four. Welcome to new Pew Science members. Booyah. Thank you for your support. Super excited about it. Not a lot. We had we had a couple. We had a couple guys join. Shout out to you guys. You're new. You, I think I sent you guys emails. A couple a couple of folks joined, I think, since the last podcast. That was super dope. Um thank you. Thank you. Like tremendously. Thank you for all you folks listening to, by the way. Like anytime you guys listen to this, that's cool. I just appreciate that. I'm I'm sure we'll get some more sponsors sometime if I like do make that happen. And maybe that'll maybe they'll like that we have a lot of listeners. Maybe we can get some more Pew Science funding if we do that. Who wants to sponsor Pew Science? I don't want to turn it into like one of those me undies, me undies, you know what I mean? Like Casper, the bed that is more expensive than a bed should be, or like what other things are like you always like squarespace.com or, you know, Hey, 
use the code J for getting flowers for your girlfriend because you messed up. You know, it's like, I don't, I mean, I'll, look, I'll, actually, now that I say, I'm saying this stuff, they all seem very attractive if I'm, if I'm going to get money, frankly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I look, I, if, does, if anyone has an, any like suggestions about how to like approach sponsors, I, I need to figure that out. I mean, Pew Science sponsors it. You guys do. The members. I don't, I don't want to. Yeah, I should probably get sponsors. Okay. I also want to thank our clients. I really do. You know who you are. I will not disclose who you are unless you publish stuff with us. Because I, it's just no one's business. Unless you want to send me an email and tell, and tell me to tell people about you. Because I will totally do that. Like, it's whatever you want. But I just assume you want to be anonymous. But thank you to the clients. Do we just busted our butts getting deliverables out this week? And it's Tuesday. How cool is that? Like, I'm I'm cooking with grease right now. I've neglected basic um, sanity to get it done. But hey. I've, I've been told that when you start a business, <laughs> it's difficult in the beginning. Um. Look, I we, we we worked very hard this year, and I'm I'm happy to be helping the industry with direct testing for manufacturers. Uh, that that is something I didn't think would happen so quickly, and and the fact that it has happened quickly is like it actually makes me incredibly excited and happy, and I think. It will pay dividends, and I know consumers are going to win from it. I really do think consumers are going to win from this. You folks listening, you don't even know about the stuff yet, and when you do, you're, you're going to understand like how big it is. Like That's actually something that for next week I'm very excited about. I am incredibly excited. And one thing you folks at home, or if you're listening in your car or wherever you listen to this, one thing you can do for me for Pew Science, um, for this podcast, you can tell your friends, share, <laughs> share, like, and subscribe. Like, you know what they say on the YouTubes. Look, I, th- I think that's good, but really because grassroots, grassroots spreading this stuff is, is needed and, and it's appreciated. And I know you've like, look, if you, if you know folks that would benefit from this, and you think they might be willing to pitch in to help the cause, like if they pitch in a small monthly thing, like it, you know, if they join with like the basic membership tier or whatever, um, please reach out to them, dude. That'd be cool. Like, be evangelical Pew Science people. Um, you know, shoot them over to pewscience.com, or e- even tell them to reach out to me. I would love to talk with them about any questions they have about silencers, anything they need data wise, whatever. I would love to earn their support. They don't have to join, but just I think just knowing that I'm here and Pew Science is here as a resource is cool, and I would love to help more people. I mean, I help people every day. I think that's cool. Um, keep the questions coming. Keep the interest coming. Stay tuned for a review this week. I think I can make it happen. I think that'd be super dope. I'm going to try for you, and definitely stay tuned next week. That's going to be retarded. Uh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. almost forgot. I can't believe I waited this long. The picture I posted with this today, the picture that I posted with this podcast today, 
on you know Instagram, Facebook, probably Reddit. That you know, I say today, in, in future Jay, future Jay is going to post this. That picture, y- y- it's cool, right? Because you've never seen it before. You've never seen that combo before, have you? But that, hey, that's just a little bit of foreshadowing for you, because I don't want to leave you hanging all the time. Yeah, maybe. Buckle up. All right, I'll talk to you folks again soon. All right, bye.